0: Hey there, you've turned into Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen podcast. Every day at the California Cattlemen's Association, we're sorting through the issues impacting you, California's ranching families and producers. I'm your host and CCA's Director of Communications, Katie Roberti, and this podcast is to discuss those issues, talk about solutions, and keep ranchers and the ranching community current on what's happening in Sacramento and beyond. Tune in every other Monday for a brand new episode, and I hope you enjoy this brand new episode that's about to begin right now. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Sorting Pin. I can't believe it's October. If you missed our last episode, go ahead and check it out. It's all about the state's Wolf Livestock Conflict Compensation Program. We talked with Dr. Ken Tate and Dr. Tina Saitone about the compensation program and about wolves throughout the state. So go check that out if you're interested in the conversation. It's a good one to listen to, even if you don't have wolves in your area. Um, We just talk predators in general. Today we're switching gears, though, and we have Central Coast Rancher and past CCA president as well as past NCBA president joining us to talk about a whole host of things. We're going to be talking about political action committees, what's happening in D.C. right now, and the Farm Bill. So, Kevin Kester, thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, Katie. Glad to be
0: with you. Yeah, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Kevin joined us. If you've been following along on the podcast about a year ago, we were talking about veterans and some of the trips he's done with his wife, June, to D.C. So it's great to have you back today. I want to start right in with talking about Cattle Pack. For those of you who don't know, two weeks ago, CCA hosted our fundraiser that happens every other year, and this is to raise funds for the California Cattlemen's Association's Political Action Committee Cattle Pack. So, as a past CCA president and NCBA president, like I mentioned, and then after NCBA president, you got to chair NCBA's Cattle Pack. Kevin, can you explain a little bit the importance of these dollars and kind of the importance of that fundraiser that we just had for those listening?
1: Uh, I have three words to describe it. It's very, very important. And the reason it's important, uh, those Political Action Committee contributions of our hard-earned dollars that we uh, put into our pack go to support politicians, uh, elected members of either our state assembly, state senate, uh, NCPA in, in Congress, and the candidates running for those positions. And those allow us, as California Cattlemen's Association or National Cattlemen's Peace Association, to have access to staff and those members and candidates to at least give us a chance face-to-face to voice our positions on policy issues and regulatory issues coming down the pike that may hurt us or help us. And it doesn't mean that every member's gonna vote as we ask them to, but it does mean that we have the chance to give our case and give our reasons as to why we think Uh, Certain policy issues and regulatory issues are important and make the case of having them vote uh, in the manner which will help keep our families in business.
0: Thanks for that explanation, Kevin. Yeah, those dollars probably get more and more important every year. And you've been a huge supporter of PAC over the years. You've donated, you've bought. Same with this year. And the Central Coast in general this year was a huge supporter of PAC. And thanks to everyone, who donated and was there in any way? If you supported, thank you for supporting that event. And it's not too late to support Cattle Pack. You can support it at any time by calling the CCA office. But, Kevin, why do you and June and your family continue to support Cattle Pack? Do you have any examples of how Pack funds in California or nationally you've seen firsthand how they've helped producers or your family in general?
1: Oh, yeah. There's dozens and dozens of examples. Uh, the basic reason why my family stays engaged in contributing to political action committee at national and state level is that I represent the fifth generation of my family in the ranching business here in California. I've got six grandkids at the moment now, and hopefully they'll represent the seventh generation uh, if they want to continue on ranching and farming here in California. So that's a fundamental reason that we stay engaged in that effort. And as far as examples, there's a lot of examples. The best example I can give, CCA and MCBA, we average around a 94% success rate on our PAC contributions to candidates and, and elected members. For every $100 they give, essentially $9.40 or $0.50 cents out of every $10 they give ends up being contributed to somebody who wins uh, their election and is in office. So. That's a good leverage for issues, for regulatory or policy issues, ranchers and agriculture engagement, turn back the Obama-era rules of Waters of the United States rules. Uh, we've had good success with that, and it's led to court decisions down the road that help us. Tax issues like the death tax, our access to members of Congress and the U.S. Senate have really helped us in state level with CCA, We've got water issues and fire issues we've had success on, and having the access to those members in the state assembly and state senate uh, allow us to view and and give our reasons to why we advocate for uh, policies and regulatory reform. And all those things have been successful, and we just need to keep the fight up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure if you thought back, the list could go on and on, but it really is essential to keep us doing what the California Cattlemen's Association does in Sacramento and um, everyone in D.C. as well with NCBA and other groups. I just want to repeat, Kevin said there's a 94% success rate. So when when we have cattle pack donations, you're getting a large return on your investment for sure with that type of success rate. So thanks for mentioning that as well.
1: Yeah. And one more point I'd like to bring up, I think it's important for people They kind of know it. Uh, I think we all do. But in every election cycle, every two years, whether it's uh, in Washington, D.C. or Sacramento, we'll have at least a 25% turnover rate in members in the Assembly, State Senate, House Representatives or the U.S. Senate. And sometimes uh, it can be upwards of one-third every two years. So we've uh, always thought... A challenge ahead of us for developing relationships and educating new members of our state legislature and and Congress on what our views are.
0: Well, it's a lot of faces to keep in touch with that are still in. And then as well as meeting all the new members and getting a face in front of them and our issues in front of them takes a lot. That's a great point. Kevin, you've been to D.C., probably dozens of times at this point. You recently returned from D.C. From what I'm reading and hearing, and probably everyone else is hearing, it seems to be a bit of a mess there right now politically. Maybe it's always a mess. But from what I'm hearing, it sounds like a bit of a mess. A government shutdown is likely. We're recording this on Friday, and it's likely that we'll go into a government shutdown this weekend unless something major changes. From your visit and kind of what you're hearing on the ground there, is it as chaotic as it sounds right now in D.C.?
1: Uh, The short answer is yes, it sure is. Um, I was on the hill for several days and visiting offices of our friends on both sides of the aisle. And uh, 100% of the members I visited with do not know what the outcome's going to be. I was in D.C. a a week and a half ago, and everybody agreed that uh, a shutdown was a 99.9% probability. And then a couple weeks later, as we go into a probably will shut down in the next 48 hours, probably for sure going to happen. And so everybody's concerned about what the ramifications of that shutdown of the central government would be and how it affects individuals, each one of us. So, yeah, nobody had any answers on that and a lot of concern.
0: Lots of frustrations as well on both sides of the aisle. Um, I've been listening to some podcasts just explaining the issues in the shutdown. And yeah, it sounds like a mess, but also over my head. But earlier this year on the podcast, we talked about the fact that it is a farm bill year. And I think that's an interesting point to bring up as we're kind of potentially going into the shutdown soon. The deadline to pass the farm bill, ironically, at time of recording right now, is tomorrow, September 30th. So that's another issue in D.C. that's very unlikely to get resolved by tomorrow what are you hearing about this? What are the implications for cattle producers if no farm bill is passed by this deadline of tomorrow? Well,
1: the uh, farm bill, as you said, is the, the legal... It runs out uh, on September, at the end of September 30th. The ramifications, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with a government shutdown. It's always been, all the way back to way earlier this year, no one realistically... Expected the Farm Bill, no one in DC, I should say, or anywhere else in agriculture, expected Congress to be able to have the hearings and vote on the funding and the, all the programs in the Farm Bill. It's a pretty uh, involved process. Nobody expected it to be done by tomorrow. And so they thought maybe it would be done before the end of the year, before Congress goes home for Christmas. And then, as time went on, it became apparent that it probably wasn't going to happen. So, regardless of the government shutdown, it appears that the Farm Bill should be passed sometime in the first quarter of 2024. And I've got a lot of people uh, giving their opinions now that it could be as late as the second quarter for 2024. And so, what that means is that Congress will have to do what they call a continuing resolution of funding interim to keep the current programs at their current levels until the new farm bill is passed whenever it is sometime in the future. And how that relates to the government shutdown also is that, by law, non-essential government employees are not allowed to access any government-issued computers or cell phones or offices. So non-essential USDA employees are required to be furloughed and stay away from their jobs. So it won't affect a lot of funding for USDA programs between October 1 and December thirty first. Starting January 1, all the programs will be affected for funding and payments going out. So uh, that is a concern. So we need to have Congress use some short term continued funding so we don't get programs interrupted.
0: Yeah, that's definitely concerning as there's a lot of programs in there that producers rely on, specifically with risk management. And then as well for getting NCBA's new priorities in, every time a farm bill comes up every five year, NCBA sets their priorities for this farm bill. Risk management programs were, of course, a part of it. Disaster relief programs were a priority. Voluntary conservation programs, animal health programs like a vaccine bank for foot and mouth disease. So really big, things to get done and priorities essential that that does get taken care of. It sounds like by the end of the year, Um, is there a path to getting this passed or something done by the end of the year, or is it too early to tell Kevin?
1: What the holdup is, if you look, Kevin McCarthy from Bakersfield, a friend of ours, uh, only has less than a five vote majority in the house. And so in the house representatives, there's different caucuses for different, groups of interest, right? And so the Freedom Caucus, a conservative group of House members, there's about 30 some odd members in the caucus. Uh, Out of that 30 members, there's a handful, actually six members of the Freedom Caucus know they have leverage to unite for a voting block, and uh, essentially those six or so members are holding up the whole process and are willing to shut down the government for period of time in order to uh, get concessions to what uh, they're trying to strive for so that's the reason for the potential shutdown is these six or so members of the freedom caucus and while i agree with their ultimate goals on what they're striving to do it's the method on how they want to get to those goals uh, what they're doing i think is going to potentially harm and cause a lot of pain and a lot of money for the government. USDA, uh, Secretary Vilsack said last week for setting up and preparing the USDA for this government shutdown takes weeks and weeks and weeks of planning and staff time, and then ramping back up after the government reopens takes a long time and a lot of effort. A total of, according to Secretary Vilsack, about $2 billion dollars worth of USDA funding for the shutdown and ramping back up. So there's a lot of costs that people don't stop and, and think about. Plus, when you're in D.C. inside the Beltway, you've got all the tens and tens of thousands of federal employees and their families going into the holidays with no paychecks and that gets everybody concerned. So hopefully there's enough pressure on these six or so members of Congress that are using leverage on the slim majority to get concessions that they'll get what they want, or at least enough of what they want to where they'll vote to allow the government to reopen and we get the farm bill passed.
0: I was listening to a podcast and it did sound, it's very orchestrated. You would think the government would just shut down, but like you said, and the insights you gave, it's a lot more complicated than that and has a lot of ramifications on millions of people. Scary things, but hopefully by the time this episode is out, somehow they've magically come to a deal. I guess we'll see in a couple of days. You're hearing about the shutdown or federally or that NCBA is working on or that you worked on in D.C. while you're there that you want to point out a note for cattle producers before we wrap up?
1: Oh, yeah, I would. Actually, there was uh, an amendment process to all this appropriation hearings, which is the funding for farm bill programs to the ag appropriations. They actually had votes on that yesterday, the day before. And so there's uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of amendments to the Farm Bill being proposed. And they had kind of a test vote on dozens of those amendments in the House. Very important ones like a tax on our beef checkoff efforts effort, other marketing efforts were uh, voted down. And so NCBA and CCA had uh, several wins uh, in the last... 48 hours in DC has showed a very strong support for our position to help keep us in business.
0: That is a great point. I know NCBA had a sign on campaign for producers to sign on to, and they were sending texts out and emails late into the night. So I know their staff has been working really hard on that. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. It's a lot to track and um, manage for that staff. Thank you, Kevin, for all the time that you put in. To helping their staff and being there in DC and being a producer on the Hill and available, I know, pretty much 24 7. We can count on you. So, thank you for doing that and for all the insights you provided on the potential shutdown and the Farm Bill.
1: And I, I'd like to point out for uh, people listening that if you think of, well, Sacramento or Washington, DC, especially Washington, DC, that uh, one person's voice doesn't make a difference. And I've uh, advocated this over the years that one person going back to Washington, D.C. and making the effort can truly make a difference. People really don't think it, but it's really true that if you have the time and uh, are concerned about an issue or multiple issues and go back and make the effort, you really can make a difference. One person can.
0: That's a great positive note to end on. I think we hear that a lot um, and we repeated a lot that voices are really important, and these offices need to hear from their constituents, but hearing it from you um, is a, another great reminder for everyone, so thanks, Kevin. Welcome, Katie, pleasure talking to you. Always great to talk to you. We will hopefully see you soon, probably next time I'll see you as convention. Yeah, if sooner, we'll be there. Sounds great. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode, speaking of convention. If you haven't been on our website, go check out the tentative schedule and get registered. Registration is now open. The room block at the Nugget is open and convention is quickly approaching. I can't believe it, but we're here. So go get registered and I hope to see you all then. Until then, I'll talk to you in two weeks.